Hello and welcome back to another episode of After This, the greatest unifi- unification podcast in the entire universe. Uh, my name is Daniel. My name is Carla. I'm Shannon. And this week we're talking about a topic that I actually thought about speaking about a few weeks ago, but didn't get around to it because we had all the protests going on. We thought, hey, much more pertinent topic. We'll talk about the history of segregation and slavery. Um, but now we've sort of done our three parts on that. We've got other things we, we want to talk about later, but um, I figure we'll come back to this original idea I had, which was to talk all about the Artemis mission and the new generation of astronauts and what NASA's trying to do now, as opposed to uh, sort of being a bit stagnant for quite a while. Um, not their fault, obviously. <laughs> it's more due to administrative... Um, I don't know, the word, whatever the fancy word for ignoring them is. So tell um, me what neglect? This, uh, neglect? Neglect, there we go, administrative neglect. There you go, Carl those fancy words. <laughs> <laughs> tell me tell me what this Artemis mission is, Daniel. Um, the Artemis mission, so, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll start with the preamble that I sort of had, which was to do with the thing that happened recently with SpaceX. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously... Very noteworthy event that SpaceX managed to use their new Crew Dragon um, capsule to deliver people to the ISS. So the International Space Station received new astronauts via a commercial partner for the first time in history. Mm. Um, before then, it's always been um, NASA or you know the I don't, I don't know what the name of it is the Russian equivalent Russian that uses the Soyuz rockets, um, those kinds of things. But uh, SpaceX is the first time that they've ever done it commercially. And it's obviously really this... It's a capitalist, futuristic dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I remember Elon Musk talking about this for a bit. And I remember this is actually something that's a good point. Is that like when you see the transition of air travel and air... Um, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, air technology. Air that sort of happened over the course of the 20th century, mm. there's always pioneering that's sort of done by government agencies to begin with, and then people start to realise they can make some money out of it, obviously. And then the thing is mm. the commercialization process starts, but it's really when the commercialization process starts that um, things start to get really, I don't know what the word is, um, convenient, I suppose, because mm. suddenly you've got a lot more people like trying to battle each other to make something preferable, um, which is so, where the good part of market economies comes in. Yeah, you've got that competition and you've got um, economies of scale. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. thing is, like, I don't, I don't imagine you'd have the same level of convenient, cheap air travel that we sort of have most of the time when it's not quarantined yeah. <laughs> um, without that sort of commercial involvement. And it's sort of a, you have to have a healthy relationship between the two. Yeah, you're not entirely dependent on commercial entities, but at the same time, you need to encourage them because they end up being kind of the, I don't know what the word, the backbone, I suppose, because like they end up driving all the money into it or the interest, you know, they market it, you know, all that stuff that needs to happen. There's Um, definitely a lot of good that, um, yes, you say the free market economy does. I I think think it's it's probably going a little bit too far. But <laughs> uh, it's 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 the thing of them. Like, they just have to be aware they don't over privatize it. Mm. The thing is, they need to maintain a healthy balance between the two. And at the moment, yeah. it's still there. Um, at the moment, it's 
because SpaceX came out and basically did something that NASA had sort of just disregarded, mm. largely. Um, the thing is, they'd said it's not going to be really worth making reusable rockets because it's going to be too hard to do. Or the thing is, that's also, at the same time, that's also a condition of the fact that their um, budget was so restricted. Uh, mm. They didn't really have the money to be able to make these experiments either. So then again, it's sort of chicken and egg, and we're not really sure where that started or ended. But basically, everyone else had crapped on the idea. But yeah. um, Elon Musk and SpaceX were sort of obsessed with this idea of making usable rockets. And after like five exploded failures, um, they managed to make them actually land themselves again. So, Which is <clears throat> very impressive and exciting. Oh, I don't exactly. want to take away from that. And, th- and this is where the really big change came in um, with once they had that, the ability to put large amounts of things into orbit quickly mm. is like dramatically, ridiculously increased. Because it's not just about material waste. It's the fact that what normally happens is they need to fly a rocket up and it gets destroyed and they have to precision build another rocket. And mm. it takes such a long time to do. But instead, what they've done is created a rocket, basically, that can land itself. You sail it back to shore. You fill it up with fuel again and fire it the same day. They're actually built now that you can actually probably launch it 20 times a day um, yeah. and bring everything into orbit. And again, this is the advantage of this kind of um, of what they chased after. Mm. Um, so now you've got this thing where these reusable rockets can theoretically just keep throwing things into orbit, which sort of gets over the problem that we had where, you know, it just takes such a long time to get anything up there. Um, So obviously that's the commercialization process, which again is like, it wants to be a balance. You need to have sort of both presences, sort of healthily, you know, countering or respecting each other. Um, (laughs) And at the moment they're still doing it because NASA basically is in charge of everything. Um, Mm. It's just that they contract things to people and say, we think your thing is good enough, you know, you can try and do it. Um, do we have any yet, I'm not sure if you you know, but do we yet have any um, regulation about what private companies can put into orbit? Like, obviously, this is one of those things where yeah, orbit I isn't that, above a certain country. So you... national security and stuff. Yeah. Like, there's all these national security laws about airspace. And obviously, mm. the thing is, like, um, that I think out. those... Yeah, that's the thing. Is I actually don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually not sure. Although I think to use um, uh, planetary delivery systems, sorry, uh, orbital delivery systems, you have to go through a lot of red tape. Um, (laughs) I'm imagining. I'm imagining like a couple of space tourists in a a, um, satellite that's that's going around, and they're want something that's legal in some countries and not others. They're smoking weed, and they have to like when they're over. where is it, like, <laughs> states in US, they're, they're drastically smoking and then they hit, um, you know, Australia and they're, like, drastically putting out the joints for them to <laughs> And they're in, like, each place for five seconds before moment. they move yep. on. <laughs> <laughs> like, guys, technically we're orbiting the moon now. <laughs> and, and, I don't know, what do you count as over? <laughs> oh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, just conditional illegality, depending on where in the orbit you are. Yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know. That, I know there's meant to be a height. There's a height to which um, you are within someone's national security boundary, mm-hmm. um, obviously for spy planes and all those sorts of things that hug the atmosphere and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but And now it's just spy satellites. But at the same time, I don't think anyone's ever had the ability to really go higher than that 
rim <laughs> until now, except government actors. So mm. now this is brand new, and that's why um, all the Artemis stuff is really it's really nuts. It's really interesting, but it's really crazy. But um, so SpaceX is also building this thing called Starship, which is basically I don't know if you've ever I don't know if you've heard of Starship and Starlink. Um, but basically, Starship is this big stainless steel, honestly, kind of dildo-looking rocket ship <laughs> <laughs> that is basically how they're planning on flying to Mars and back. Um, so it, they made it out of steel, apparently, because steel has an amazing heat resistance compared to like everything else that you can use. Mm-hmm. It's really heavy, but it's very, yeah. very, very durable when it comes to exiting and entering atmospheres at crazy speeds, um, which obviously is one of the big problems because you can build the rockets out of like weird carbon materials and things, but sometimes they just, well, you know, they don't, they don't handle the heat very well. You know, you know, what are the temperatures? Do you know that? Oh, uh, I know. Like, it's uh, actually I'm not sure. You're well up into the hundreds. Like, it's the sort of thing where you see the capsules coming in and, like, metal just turns red hot almost immediately as they're coming through because they're going from, you know, thousands of meters a second or whatever it is to then suddenly making contact with an atmosphere that doesn't like you going that fast. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the NASA Artemis mission, to finally get to what I was talking about oh so hurry so starlink sorry starlink is the other spacex thing where they're basically putting like thousands of satellites into orbit um Mm -hmm. that are all they're all tiny and they're all basically networked with each other the idea of making global um cheap satellite based wi-fi so you don't have to you don't have to use um national local providers anymore so it's i think it's more aimed at places with crappy internet infrastructure yeah the idea is that if you're in some place wherever you're not going to get extorted by the local telecom group no you'll get extorted by elon musk (laughs) (laughs) but then that's again that's the thing though like if there's if if he's (laughs) charging too much no one will use him you'll just use your local one instead so it's, yeah i guess so it some, some kind of bounce off it's more yeah if, if somehow he ends up with a monopoly and then he just controls the world's internet somehow that would be really bad that's... but that's the idea of starlink so <laughs> starlink and starship are sort of the two main big things that they're doing oh. um so the nasa artemis mission uh, which I, I, I'm trying to reread the things I wrote about it to see how I phrased it, but it's basically a um, mission to put humans on the moon again and for them to stay there uh, and to create the gateway base, um, which is basically meant to be a stop and like loading point for the rest of the solar system in terms of traveling to the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So um, the idea is that um, they're having to develop all these technologies and put all these things on the moon and in orbit of the moon to facilitate that. Cause obviously you can put all this stuff up there and it's much more, I don't know what the word would be. Uh, it's much, it's much, it's much easier to have things there and move them up and down and all that stuff, because that way a ship can come back and stop there and get all the supplies. It ah, needs that makes sense. Needs. And then it comes to Earth. Yeah, because my question was about to be, but don't we need to launch all of the parts from Earth anyway? Like, are you going to be yeah. mining on the moon? But yeah, that makes sense if you're going to be reusing I, the rocket. I think that's the other thing is that they're going to be able to do some mining on the moon and the idea yeah. as well as to basically have it so that you can 
launch stuff from Earth to the moon that's not necessarily complete and then construct it on the moon where it's really low gravity and it's really yeah. easy to build things and then it can keep going without having to, you know... You might launch a giant spaceship in three parts and then, because, you know, rockets can only take so much up. Yeah. And then, of course, to get to the moon, you'll have a base there that you can put everything together. It's much easier to launch from. I just Googled what is the moon made up of. So, like, looking at, um, Mm -hmm. you know, mining on the moon and it says the crust, which is the top 50 kilometres, has oxygen, silicon, magnesium, iron, calcium and aluminium. So, iron... Aluminium, mm. they sound like useful. I'm not an engineer. I don't. Well, I mean, it got, they it just got sound the crap, good. <laughs> the crap pounded by for meteors and asteroids and things yeah, for such so a long time. Stuff. Surely a lot of metals and things have ended up there. And maybe some cool random stuff to find as well. Yeah. But, um, oh, no, I continue. All good. Okay. Uh, so Artemis, um, to explain what Artemis is, because obviously we're all familiar with Apollo. Um, Artemis in Greek religion is the goddess of wild animals, the hunt and vegetation and of chastity and childbirth. She was identified by the Romans with Diana. Artemis was the daughter of Zeus and Leto and the twin sister of Apollo. Uh, Both are often depicted with bows and are correlated to hunting. And the arrow in this case is usually denoted as the spacecraft. Um, So part of so it's a twin thing really that, They've um, gone for the twin of Apollo, because obviously it's the return to the moon. Mm. And the second thing is the fact that it's the female twin, because they're also planning on putting the first women on the moon. That's the other side. That's cool. Um, So that's sort of why it's called the Artemis mission. And so that's why... um, So this is is the NASA description of the Artemis mission. So with the Artemis program, NASA will land the first woman and next man on the moon by 2024, using innovative technologies to explore more of the lunar surface than ever before. We'll collaborate with our commercial international partners and establish sustainable exploration by the end of the decade. Then we'll use what we learn on and around the moon to take the next giant leap, sending astronauts to Mars. So obviously they meant that's the sort of the plan with the SpaceX stuff is to fly to the moon and then resupply, restock everything, their Starship, and then fly from st- fly Starship to Mars. Mm. Um, it's already being, like, d- the whole peak behind the design is basically that it'll be able to take off from Mars again, because it doesn't need much fuel for that, because obviously the gravity is, like, two-thirds of ours or something. Yeah. Um, so it's quite a lot easier to take off from Mars than it is to take off from Earth. <laughs> I imagine um, the thin atmosphere would have an effect too, but I can't. Yeah, no, no, no that's another thing. It, the, apparently, it's the thin atmosphere and the lower gravity. It means taking off is way easier. I remember so I, was, I was watching a video about it the other day, and they said that if Earth's gravity had been much more intense, like uh, much more as in a little bit more, like mm. a little bit more intense in the atmosphere, a little bit more thick, it probably would have been almost impossible to get you know a rocket out with anything like current technology. Um, like we would have needed to have invented some next level of something to mm-hmm. get around the problem. Just nice little niche spot. Yeah, I mean the problem is that yeah, like the the, the complications of weight and propulsion and everything all together. Um, it's already pretty difficult. Yeah, we're we're right on that cusp of it being like ridiculous, but it's just manageable. <laughs> just to going back before about the um the mining. Do you know if they? Mm. If there's um, they keep track of like how much weight is being removed from Earth, and therefore how much we can um mine and bring to the Earth. 
So surely there's going to be like a crux point where if we change I, the... Yeah, I imagine right now it's such a infinitesimally small proportion that it's not worth mm-hmm. thinking about, but it definitely could be eventually. Like, like, like we, mine the, we mine the entire moon and bring <laughs> it to the Earth. And all, <laughs> I, 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 think, <laughs> I think that's the thing. Like, the amount that we current... I mean, obviously, everything we do on Earth doesn't really go anywhere because it just gets moved from one thing to another. But the thing well, some is... Some of it leaves now, is, is what I'm saying. But if we, start, if we start taking things off, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like this conversation is like the, uh, the first cavemen to discover fire, and we're like, hang on a minute, what if we burn down all the trees? Oh, that will never happen. <laughs> and then yeah. now it's 2020, I mean, it's we're like, same, hmm. <laughs> mining and stuff, like, you'd have to... And I think that I've seen that in movies a few times where they're like, oh, we're mining the moon, and then they destroy it really easily or something. But it's like, it's a huge, huge thing. Um... You know, even if you had a massive strip mine on it, you probably wouldn't, like, you might be able to see it, but, <laughs> like, that yeah. would be it. I imagine this is on the, like, thousands or even tens of thousands of years timeline. Yeah. Yeah, but, no, yeah, no, I think it's so worth it's mentioning. Type two or something. Worth kind of thinking about if we're thinking, you know, big picture. Um, so, yeah, so I made another point about the reusable rockets in here. Oh, I'm just rereading through my notes that I wrote like a month ago. Um, so basically, um, yeah, the reusable rockets is a huge, huge, huge part of this. Um, mm. The idea that they're going to be able to just throw, because like with the reusable rocket, if you can use it that many times and you have a whole bunch of them, you could theoretically, if you planned it properly, put lots of stuff on the moon really quickly. Yeah. Um, because you can just launch, 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 launch like that. But they're ma- they're building a lot more of the reusable ones because I think the idea is they're not going to use them each twenty times a day. They're going to try and use them once every week or something. So, but then the thing is, you have a ton of them doing that. You oh, will get really? a lot of stuff up there. I, well, I think the idea is that they're they're building up to that point where That's eventually not. they'll be able to throw a lot of orbital infrastructure stuff to the moon, all that sort of stuff. It's like this is this is the giant leap forward that reusable rockets have created um, that's never really been there before. Mm. Um, so Artemis is focused on building up far more ground-based infrastructure as well as new rockets and landers. So they're trying to like they're sort of upgrading everything. There's this great there's this great thing on the NASA site actually. I think you can type in like what has NASA invented or something. And it takes you to this great infographic that's like all the stuff that they invented in the process of getting us to the moon and stuff like that. That's cool. Um, it's like sneakers. <laughs> it's, like, it's like they had to invent a shoe that did something specific, so they invented sneakers. But it's like what we currently think of as sneakers. Yeah. Um, and it's like, uh, I think it was MP3 players or something. And then there was wireless headsets. Yeah. Um, it's all this stuff that NASA just had to invent to basically say, oh, we need to be able to do this thing we've never had to do before. That's okay, uh, if we do this and this When they this. say it's a waste of money. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I love that page for that exact reason because you can see all the knock-on benefits that it has. Mm. Um, so, yeah, ground-based infrastructure, new rockets and landers because, again, they're having to devise new versions of everything because it's new missions. Um, so the big two... Uh, oh no! Sorry, there was three major contract beneficiaries of the NASA funding for Artemis that were like private. So there's SpaceX, obviously, um, and there was Blue Origin. So Blue Origin is owned by Amazon. Um, so Blue Origin has their own lunar sort of industrial complex coming along. So Amazon's going to be everywhere. 
And then the third one was called the National Group or something. But National Group is a combination of like Lockheed Martin and Boeing and all that, all the defense contractors. Um, I think I think they got the most money mm-hmm. because obviously they're the ones that have the long history with NASA and everything else. But mm-hmm. yeah, Blue Origin and there's pictures of Blue Origin's rockets and landers that they've devised. But SpaceX is the only one that's actually done it. Mm-hmm. So they've got a lot more, I don't know, prestige, I guess is the word, because they've demonstrated exactly. one, their new, their new largely automated capsule mm-hmm. um, and the reusable rocket system, which is all crazy new stuff. Um, so, hold on. So, yeah, the gateway. This is the part I think I found, found the most interesting. So the gateway station is part of the Artemis mission. Um, the gateway will be an out... I'll oh, just read this thing. The gateway will be an outpost orbiting the moon that provides vital support for a sustainable long-term human return to the lunar surface, as well as a staging point for deep space exploration. It's a critical component of NASA's Artemis program. Uh, it's a vital part of the deep space exploration plans. Um, uh, yeah, like they, the idea of it basically is to be like a, an ISS that's sort of around, it's it's like an ISS that's around the moon, but it does more than just science. It also helps with the logistics of basically managing the moon base and knock-on stuff to the rest of the solar system. Um, so Gateway is kind of that base that we've all sort of been talking about in terms of having something on the moon that can really facilitate all that stuff. Um, people are going to live there, obviously, because um, that would probably be necessary. Um Every like everyone's involved with division with the division of Gateway. So the European Space Agency, Russia, uh, Canada. And I know Australia is because they were talking about it. The um the Australian Space Agency was talking about it. The, the brand new teeny tiny little agency. Australian, <laughs> the Australian Space Agency actually interestingly they've got like twenty people working there, and their main thing is just to facilitate the commercial investment and involvement in the space industry. Um, which I think is, I mean, honestly, it's good because the thing is the more and more attention that the commercial entities pay, the more attention the governmental entities will pay as well. Mm. Um, it's sort of like a knock-on effect because unless we have some objective in mind that we can sort of get everyone behind, it's kind of hard to motivate people. But if you've got a big industry behind something, suddenly mm. you've got lots of people employed and, you know, money behind it, everything. And it feels it, real to the voters, I guess. Yeah, it, it's people being people, basically. Yeah. And I think commerciality is a good way to drive it. It's just about not letting private interest dominate the, the space mm. race because then we're going to have real problems. Japan. Japan's also really involved. Mm-mm. It's going to be hard to steer that away. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's <laughs> the thing. It's going to be... I mean, inevitably, it's going to become, I think, like... Um, uh, what should we call it? Air travel, you know, where like certain things are really controlled, but then a lot of it's not. But then it's not going to be quite like being on Earth because the thing is, on Earth, everywhere you go, you're over someone's country. Yeah. You know, you're you're within someone's jurisdiction no matter where you go. Whereas in space, you could theoretically just, you know, go wherever you want. I mean, it sounds like it might be more like um, the age of exploration, where you know there's just always bits that aren't here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, how do you 
treat those places? Like, what's to stop Amazon from setting up their next distribution center on Mercury? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, at least if we're to. exploring space instead of uh, the Earth, there's no, like, colonial destruction of like people who are already living there. Yep. <laughs> There's yep. no, no like, native culture on the asteroids. <laughs> I've offshored all my profits. I now store all my revenue on Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> no taxes <laughs> because I own Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the funny thing, right? If you're the first, if you're a, co a corporation and you get to like Ganymede or something before anyone else does, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Why not just say, ah, it's mine, you know? No one can go there and stop you. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> it's, point, actually. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty weird. Um, so, yeah, astronaut. So, obviously, a big part of Artemis is that they need to get a lot more astronauts um, mm -hmm. because, obviously, the amount of man labor intensiveness that having a permanent lunar base, gateway, ISS... All these extra rockets going up, all these extra other things. Yeah, I was going to is... say, it's like, we've got 40 rockets ready to go up two times a day each. And we've got like seven we've got astronauts. Two astronauts. <laughs> the last 20 years. And then, and then a really excited Daniel on the other side of the glass going, oh, I'll do it. Woo! It's like, I'll just do drugs and fly all of them. <laughs> but basically, I remember seeing this because this was early in the year or like the very beginning of the year. So, um, NASA put out a big press release looking for a new generation of astronauts. There was a whole TV advertising campaign and stuff as well. I remember seeing this on YouTube. Um, and, of course, I had the note that no one was more bummed than I was, but the following requirements apply. <laughs> oh, no. So the basic, requirements. Is, <laughs> the basic requirement is that you need to be a United States citizen. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so everyone's cooperating, but it's really the Americans that are driving the Artemis mission. So... You need to be American. Oh, hang on, hang on. My husband was born in the US. I might be able to get in on this. You might be able to shoe your way in. <laughs> Here's the second one, which I think you might also meet. So it's a master's degree in a STEM field, including oh, yeah, engineering, that. biological, physical science, computer science, and mathematics. Uh, so you did biological science. Yeah, I got uh, immunology, microbiology. There we go, from an accredited institution. Um, yep. Obviously, yep, you'd be fine for that. So... Yeah, you don't need to have the alternative requirements. Uh, so you just need to shoo your way in there, Carla, because that, that is basically the minimum requirement. Right. You need a master's degree in a STEM field and U.S. citizenship. Um, so there you go, Carla. Go and become an Artemis astronaut and make me jealous for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I do also need to get a 1,000 hours of pilot-in-command time in jet aircraft, though. Do a progressional... No, or at least. Or. So, uh, oh, two years of related, progressively responsible professional experience. I guess how, how it depends how tight years, they, right? it depends what they mean by related, I guess, how <laughs> tightly that needs to be. <laughs> no. So you don't need to be able to fly anymore. That's actually that one of the big things with the Artemis is they... They knew they couldn't keep demanding everyone have lots of jet flying experience because the thing is right. that's such a tiny field that you're dealing with that would have um, jet pilot experience as well as all the other stuff. Because yeah. um, obviously they need to start broadening it if they're going to have large numbers of people doing these sorts of things. Um, like, like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes to space. 
Yeah, there you go. That's gonna be you, Colour. <laughs> um yeah, my only my only hope is to get um in on the uh the visa lottery, which a friend of mine did win a year ago and he really? moved to America um at the beginning of this year and he went time. to like to go support the Bernie Sanders campaign, which fell apart, um, sadly. But also, then he got stuck in America with COVID. So <laughs> it's been, been kind of a nightmare migration for him. Apparently, he'd been trying for a while to win the visa lottery, but apparently, they do. It's not actually a lottery. They do prioritize you based on skills. Okay. So it's not pure randomness. Classic America. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it makes well, sense. They're going to take people who sort of know what they're doing with things or are going to fill jobs or something. Um, well, so, it doesn't sound like a lottery then. Yeah, I think what they do is they put you in a tier system and then and then yeah. they draw from that randomly. I don't know. They haven't actually explained it thoroughly. They'd probably get in trouble if they did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not black. <laughs> Basically. But even, but even then, actually, the friend of mine is dark-skinned, so maybe they got surprised. I don't know. Eric's <laughs> trying their best. So uh, what, are, what are your favorite reasons for going to the moon? Uh, for me, the thing would just be to facilitate you know, expansion and growth and scientific knowledge. Because the thing is, obviously, the amount of... If they brought all the required things to the moon, the amount of stuff you would learn by doing low-gravity experiments yeah. on a thing that's not a space station. Because the space station is so limited in terms of how much size you have. You know, you're in a much more precarious position because you're sort of, like, floating over thing. Oh, like, if you burst a hole, someone has to float out and do something and stuff like that. Whereas, at least you could walk around. <laughs> on the moon, <laughs> and you can put something outside if you don't have space. <laughs> yeah. And he, you know as well, you can't do the don't nothing, have space. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Did you know the mass on the moon is not evenly distributed? The mass. The mass. Yeah. Like so it's not a perfect sphere. Yeah. Well, it's definitely not a perfect sphere. Like well, it's just the formation of it, it yeah. because of the Earth's gravity, it's slightly egg-shaped. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you look at it from a different angle, you can see. Right, okay. Yeah. Can you see so, that with the naked eye from Earth? You can in some places. Wow. Huh. Yeah. And in I some guess maybe it, is. it really depends on where you are because, like, the weird thing about the moon is, like, it revolves, or it, like, it, yeah, what is it? It revolves at the same rate as it circumnavigates the Earth, so we only ever see the same point on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. 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 So we, I think we only ever see it in this part from one state, but from, from different heights. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Because like we're, like, we're off axis. I think I've seen some photos, but you know, you can never really trust photos with like lens and effects on stuff. But um, yeah, if you were to like see it from a different angle, you could see it is an egg shape. Hmm, nifty. Mm. Slightly, like it's not enough. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, I, all. I have no trouble believing it. It basically just absorbed all the asteroids and stuff that were meant to hit us. Get this. Get this. There's like mass concentrations called mascons that lie beneath many of the uh, lunar basins. And the center of mass of the moon is displaced several kilometers towards the Earth. So the the non-uniform mass distribution creates orbitable stability problems for spacecraft orbiting them. I guess, yeah, because then your um, your ability to set an orbit would be kind of off-kilter because you'd be thinking, yeah. oh, I'm going to be this altitude the whole way around. And then all of a sudden you're crashing into the other side of the moon. Because it's like the mass has gone somewhere else. 
Yeah, that would be really disconcerting. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh man, it's gonna be so cool when stuff is on the moon. You can see it with a telescope, like just yeah, you know, fiddling away. Like they've got even if it's some tiny little base, just being able to see it yourself would be amazing. Um, so, oh, right, so it was a, it was a thing about the um, an article about funding for NASA. Uh, so basically, it says the White House has proposed to increase NASA's budget by more than two and a half billion dollars in 2021, providing substantially increased funding for the Artemis program while seeking out again to cancel several science and education programs. <laughs> so basically, what they want is the reach and the logistics. And don't worry, you don't need to investigate or <laughs> or discover anything. Here's where I think the problem is happening, where basically they're taking money away from the governmental agency to do research and study things and basically de facto giving it to the commercial entities because... They're funding the program, but the program's main thing is giving out funds and stuff to basically contract out functions, mm. but taking money away from the parts that NASA is meant to do themselves. Mm. So it's, yeah, like they're supporting it, but they're supporting it in a privatized way, which is, like I said, I think that's skewing the balance that I was talking about in a bad way, yes. and it's not going the way I want it to. Because, um, again, you want both. You want both to kind of healthily you know, intermix with each other. So um, there's still, there's still, there's still more of the thing. Um, so I'll finish the whole thing and we'll ramble about it. Yeah, uh, sure. the, the budget proposal released by the office of management and budget, February 10th request 25, uh, billion for NASA in 2021. That starts October 1st. That is the 12% increase from the 22 billion that Congress appropriated for NASA in 2020. This is a 21st century budget worthy of 20th, 21st century space exploration and one of our strongest budgets in NASA history, NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstein said in a State of NASA speech at the Stennis Space Center. And now here's a bit that'll hurt you. If the president's support for NASA wasn't clear before, it should be obvious now. <laughs> oh, no. Now I'm being forced to thank Trump for something. <laughs> Which again, I have to like. Hey, I mean, you know, like I have to do it. Like I, I have to say, great, he did something good. <laughs> Stop clock is right twice a day, <laughs> and a backwards oh. clock is right four times a day. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> or at least three. It really depends. But um, it meets on the same thing twice. But yes, yeah, so that hurt to admit. But um, that was fun. But apparently, yeah, so they're going up from 22 to 25 billion. Um, and um, almost the entire increase from what I've seen is Artemis stuff. Um, it's like the contracts that are being given out or the stuff that NASA's doing themselves. Um, I think, from what I understand, a lot of the gateway module itself and the gateway base is being done almost completely by NASA themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think all the lunar expedition stuff is where a lot of the commercial entities are going. Mm -hmm. I think is what the idea might be. And this is me guessing now, but from what I've seen, the idea might be to have like a NASA hub, but then, you know, empower commercial entities to sort of do their own stuff on the moon, maybe yep. within laws that NASA decides. Because um, obviously then you're kind of creating a playpen that you mm. can manage, but you can still get the benefits of that sort of commerciality as well. Um, 
I want to find out where the first moon hotel will go in because that'll be amazing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's actually one of the things, right? Like moon yeah. hotel or whatever. That's just stuff that NASA wouldn't do. Like, there's just no reason, yeah. really. But the thing mm. is, a commercial entity would, and they'll make it really nice. Whereas yeah. NASA would make it really functional. They wouldn't make one in the first place. So this yeah. is what I mean, like about how would they make one functional if they wouldn't make one in the first place? <laughs> 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 um, yeah, this is this is a hotel is a great example of something yeah. where it's like you need the cooperation yeah. um, between the two sides. Good. Yeah, but you can't fly too hard to one side. Um, <clears throat> oh, you reminded me of something earlier about how like um, about how this about the International Space Station. Apparently, they created to like a fifth state of matter recently. A fifth state of matter that can only be created in space. Or they couldn't. They couldn't what create. Oh, I'd have to look it up. It's this groovy like um dude that I follow on YouTube called Anton something or other. You like, follow a lot of crazy people. Yeah. No, this guy's this guy's like this guy's my like go to non crazy. Right, well, we'll, we'll, I found we'll, an article about it on uh, New Scientist, so that's. Fairly good. What is it? Um, an exotic fifth type of matter has been created in one of the coldest places in the universe. What are the first four types? Sorry? What are the four types of matter? There's like solid. Oh, there's like a crystalline. Gas, there's, liquid, right? And then there's plasma, a crystalline. I thought it was four. And then fifth. Wouldn't crystalline be solid though? Crystalline no, is There's solid. a crystalline liquid though. There's, I don't know. That, no, that that that's probably that's probably one of the crazy people that I was following. It's that there's legitimate people in there too, and I never know. <laughs> okay, so this stuff was proposed, theorized by Einstein and Bose in the early 1920s. Um, it is a cloud of atoms cooled to nearly absolute zero, so negative 273 degrees um, in Celsius, and it is a supercooled gas that no longer behaves as individual atoms and particles, but rather an entity in a single quantum state. That is cool, but I don't quite understand it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah like, it's funny. So I, all, I'm, like, entwined, I know so... tidbits about quantum stuff, but that makes no sense. Like, I, just, <laughs> I what that means. <laughs> I'm sure it makes perfect sense. I'm the one who's bad here. What is your Oh, no, mine was just on a YouTube video, so I, I'm not going to bother doing that. But it's good to know that, like, the guy that I'm following is not one of the... He's doing something. He's doing something. The thing is, you <laughs> have a lot of legitimate stuff. You just have a lot of crazy people, hey, too. Hey, hey. We never know. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of the internet. You never know. Thank you, Shan. <laughs> I believe in like an equal amount of like nonsense as I do logic, and it keeps me, me nice yeah. and like middle grounded. But and I and I never know if you're a genius in one moment or completely off your face. Oh, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> um, so neither do I. So my summary, my summary for the whole Artemis thing was basically amazing things are happening, and it says on the NASA website, "This is humanity's return to the moon." But you'll probably need to be American. Um, <laughs> irony of space, unifying overview effect and all those big things is being held back from being anywhere near optimized by national borders is apparently because this is a big thing that apparently spacex and and nasa and all of those other entities because space technology is marked as being like super super top secret like super national defense can't let everyone see it kind of thing so it's very hard for them to hire people 
um, mm. that because there's a there's a world full of people who are efficient and can do all this stuff and really smart and whatever, um, but they can't access any of them because they're not allowed to. Because you mm. need to be a U.S. citizen and you need to meet all these security clearances and things to do anything in space. And each country is probably doing like a lot of wasting a lot of time doing the same type of research and not sharing. Oh yeah. Time. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like when you have, I think you have, I think it was 14 space agencies now mm. where it's like, and not all of them are doing actual launches and missions, but the thing is they're all sort of competing to do the same thing. Mm. And it's like, why? And it's, oh, like, it's, it's so annoying. <laughs> they're competing with their, they're using the same model as phone companies, I think. The same model as phone yeah, companies. Competing with everybody. But yeah, 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 definitely. Sorry, what were you saying, Carla? Oh, I was just going to say, like, you can understand where it's coming from. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you don't want, you know, to just publish all of the Oh, and that's the thing. In a, in a, something that North Korea could read and be like, oh, so that's how you create a bank of nuclear weapons <laughs> also, that can wipe out the entire world works. immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I totally get it. And that's the problem that we're really highlighting. Is yeah. That all these decisions make perfect sense in the slightly demented, doesn't quite make sense, unoptimized nationalist world. Um, it's more just about the idea of, like, if you were to actually have a space agency that represented all of us doing the same thing, hiring from everywhere, whatever, and you gave it, like, 1% of GDP as a budget or something, you know, because militaries get, like, 20 Um or 10 or something. No, the American one gets like 10. Um, if you give it like 1% of global GDP as a budget, like space exploration, can you imagine the crazy stuff that would be done? Like that we could build <laughs> within a year or two or 10 years or 20 years if you had the entire Earth economy doing 1% of its GDP towards just expanding and discovering things. Like, uh Oh, if only I'd love that so much. <laughs> um, would you like? Would you guys like to do some like natural satellite quiz? Oh yes, please. Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. I like this. Right. Please tell Imogen natural satellites because she hates the word for reasons she'll explain. It's because she didn't know what a natural satellite was, and I've laughed at. I have a gripe with natural satellites. Like, why is it that like we have to have like something the size of the moon for it to be like? A natural satellite, whereas we can put a tiny little bit of space junk in, and it's a normal satellite. Theoretically, everything we is should a technically have like would have thousands of like natural satellites just At, orbiting the Earth. The way orbit, I mean, the way orbital mechanics works, everything is a natural satellite. Like even the galactic superclusters are natural satellites because they're all they're all orbiting around something else, or even the largest, largest things are orbiting each other. Yeah. So they're, they're holding each other together. So everything is a satellite or something else. Uh, uh, well, question one. Roughly how many moons are there in our solar system? Moons. Natural Ooh. satellites. Oh, man. One. I know Jupiter has oh, like seven? I think it's more. It yeah. depends how big you call a, a thing. I'm going to say if we're just talking about moons, this is completely shot in the dark. I haven't actually really counted anything. I'm going to say there is 57. I'm going to no. go closer to 30. Uh, there's over 200. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Jupiter's got like 70. Yeah. Saturn's got like 55. Oh, yeah. okay. 
Because that's no. the thing. I knew Jupiter. They're always saying, "What point do you no longer say it's a moon?" Like, I guess. I mean, it's, Saturn's it's rings small. are. <laughs> There's a lot Probably. of similar <laughs> actions, yeah. You define them as a million <laughs> little, right? <laughs> yeah, that's oh. a good point, Carl. All right, out of, so out of those two hundred, um, sure a... where how large is the um, is our moon compared, oh, compared to the? Yeah. Well, I know Titan's like almost the same size as Earth, so or it is the same size as Earth or something, or it's bigger. I don't know, uh, but. <laughs> Uh, our moon, I don't know. So we're out of the 200. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Where, where, where do we rank? And number the, one is the biggest? That number one is the biggest. Okay, so I'm going to say our moon would be like... Face uh, me. Tenth? Tenth. I was going to guess ten as well. <laughs> <laughs> Close, we're, we're the fifth largest moon. Oh, fifth. Okay, there Come you go. Ahead. And can, can you name the four moons larger? So Titan. I think Titan, yep. Titan would definitely be bigger. Um, Europa is a moon that I've heard Europa, of. So Europa's I'm going to say big, that. Not bigger. No. Yeah, Europa's no. pretty small. Uh, oh, um, bigger um, than our moon. Are we counting... Um, big what? So it's, it's Titan's the Pluto big one. Pluto and um, what's Pluto's... Titan's the second biggest. Second biggest? Yeah. There's another it's, one. It's Pluto. Is it Karen? Like Charon, Pluto's like yeah, because it's named after the character. It's, it's, that's a, that's uh, like the eighth biggest moon. Okay, but it's the second biggest um, non non gas moon. Charon oh, is the I, second. I, I cannot remember the oh, names of them. I'll, I'll tell you the names of them. Yeah, in, in, is Ganymede one of them? Ganymede. Okay, Ganymede. Okay, that is actually quite bigger than I thought it was. Ganymede, though. Titan, Callisto, and Io. Hmm. Io is bigger than our moon. Yeah, just. Are they all Jupiter? I guess Jupiter, Jupiter, or? just blacked out looking at Jupiter because all of its moons are like the size of planets, but it's so big that you lose all sense of scale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a fun fact. When I was in Prague, I did go up to a mountain observatory near the hotel at night, and we did actually get to see Jupiter in a giant telescope. Cool. That was actually really fun. It took ages for your eyes to acclimatize, but eventually it got dark enough and your eyes adjusted and you could see mm. it. It was really awesome. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so, do you know what the most widely accepted theory on how the the moon was created? Wasn't uh, it a? Um, I thought it was like a giant asteroid that hit Earth and like bounced off. Yeah, and, and it kind of split into Earth and the moon. Yeah, like it says um here the most widely accepted simple theory anyway was a rock the size of Mars slammed into Earth shortly after the solar system began forming about 4.5 billion years ago. Yep. And you, it makes sense cool. that it was something like that. And everything was be. super hot and explodey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, as, as they said, like just as I said before, with like the whole shifting of everything, um, it would have obviously had to be in that formation phase mm. for the centre of it to be moved oh, it was yeah. already solid at that point then well even then after that it would have been pounded and pounded by other asteroids that would have sort of become part of it as well yeah. so it's just this bigger collaboration like earth is as well yeah. <clears throat> another little fact as well like the the moon is the second densest of all the satellites that we oh. know of really i don't know what the most one is but um the moon doesn't have a, an atmosphere, but it does have an exosphere. Oh, what's that? Which well, is like, which is like a really, it's like a, I think it's just a, 
I guess because like inevitably gravity is going to attract stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's ma- so... oh, I know it's made up of helium, neon, and argon. Uh, okay. So it has like a faint gassy sort of thing around it. Yeah, they're they're the neutral ones, aren't they? They're the ones with like um, the noble like, gases. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the noble gases. They're like two, ten, and eighteen on the periodic table. That I can't remember. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been such a long time. I don't uh, remember. I, I, Whoa. <laughs> I would have I got I would have got drilled by nearly everyone at chemistry like back <laughs> school, but I reckon I'll drill most of them now on like <laughs> a pop quiz. I'll be like, oh I remember that. Yes. High Healy B Bokanofni, Namgel, Sips Clark. That's the first what, twenty or so. But yeah. I can never remember. All right. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I had I made the mistake of moving to England when they turned science into chemistry, and I missed the year. Sorry, when they turned science into all the, the disciplines, and so when I got there, they'd skipped. I'd basically skipped the year where they're split up, where they explain everything. Oh no! <laughs> so then I took the rest of high school without that first year where they're all different. They're different classes, and that didn't go well for me. That didn't go well. <laughs> um. Do you, how much more do you have to do? Do you want me to continue going forward? Um, no, honestly, I'm pretty much done with oh, all cool. the gateway stuff, so you just keep going. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm enjoying this. Oh, I'm enjoying this moon question. This is my like, favourite one. This is like when I like started getting into meditation and I like had my little like guru session mm-hmm. <laughs> like 30 years ago. This is what blew my mind at the time and it like mm-hmm. actually stands up to be pretty accurate. Um. So he was teaching me about like all the internal chakras mm-hmm. and they reckon there's 108 access points of energy that when you close your eyes and you can breathe and sense the energy, there's 108 points you can come into contact with. Mm-hmm. And so if you go into like Buddh- Buddhism and stuff, you've got the 108 sh- uh, beads mm-hmm. and you got the 108 chants and stuff like that. And they reckon it comes back from the connection between the sun, the earth and the moon. Mm-hmm. And so just to just to do the basics of it, like the reason why the sun and the moon appear the same size is because the moon is one four hundredth the size of the sun mm-hmm. and one four hundredth the distance. Yeah. So they appear the same time. They appear the same size. Mm. Mm. I think I told me that. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, am a hardcore atheist, but that's like the one thing that's like, yeah, that does, that is a pretty cool coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There is a lot of wacky things. Yeah. If I were religious, that would be my number one like uh, piece of evidence, like the fact yep. that the moon and the sun look exactly the same size. Yes. Yeah, get the, you'll love, you'll love this one as well, then, Carlo. So, yeah. the distance between the sun and the earth is 108 times the diameter of the sun. Uh-huh. The distance between the Earth and the moon is 108 times the diameter of the moon. And the diameter of the sun is 108 times the diameter of the Earth. Hmm. Now, mm. if you actually punch all the numbers in on NASA, it's 109. But okay. this, was, this was theorized 10,000 years ago. And... The move is a pr- the moon. Wait, a wait, pro- who did it ten thousand years ago? Um, the the yogis think- of the Himalayan mountains. <laughs> Some dude. Because I didn't think mathematics was even invented until, like, what is it, three or four thousand BC? Was it? 
Um, three or four thousand BCs. You would have to argue. You, I reckon, Mayans would argue with that, with the, the Mayan calendars. I thought that's, that was about how old they were. Well, weren't they? Aren't they three thousand? Yeah, five thousand years. I don't old? think the Mayans were actually that old. They just had a really good calendarization and astronomy process. Yeah, I'm actually have no idea. I have actually no idea about when this was theorized and everything that the the, the, the judgment that I said before. I like the flamboyant information adding, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, great. All right. Yeah. I do. I, I, I never let the truth give away. Give him a little <laughs> razzle-dazzle. Yeah. Yeah. But I will, out, I will punch out the, the numbers, though. So, like, the distance between the sun and the Earth is 149,600 million kilometres. Uh-huh. The diameter of the sun is 100 and... Well, it's like 1.39 million kilometers the distance between the earth and the moon is 382,500 kilometers and the diameter of the moon is 3,476 kilometers and it's funny because i wonder if there's like a there's a it's probably some kind of mathematical principle behind this which is like you know certain amounts of that maybe we haven't figured out entirely yet there's certain amounts of mass and things that are going to make things sit a certain distance away from the sun and you know yeah, numbers yeah, yeah. kind of like pi that we haven't maybe thought up yet that have something to do with orbital mechanics i don't know yeah so, and uh, i just think that's why that's why i'm so like amazed that's why like i like all this stuff like all this information that i'm saying because going to the moon and learning more about it you know mm. I'm sure, like our carbon dating methods of and technology has gotten so much better since then, and just the adventures and the journeys and finding out of like all these other potential things that, mm. and elements that we could find is just going to unlock so many more truths. Because, mm. as I said, if you do do the mathematics of the sun, the earth, and the moon, it's like there is some sort of like intelligent design, mm. and it's like the more we find out, it would be like, oh wow, it's like. It happened because of this reason. Like when you, mm. when all these certain things happen at once, and you get like a mass and all these things, you just get this like yeah. chance of this awesome trilogy, like yeah. synergy happening between like a sun and moon and an earth, and that's what allows life to happen. Like there's just so mm. much more amazement. It's like if you learn that, then hey, we can terraform Mars a lot more easier with yeah, like, yeah. more information. I mean, I guess, I guess that's the big thing is like like with all the stuff that NASA discovered that like. It's hard to explain to people what they're missing out on when it comes to scientific discovery because it's like you can't say, I don't know, hey, dump funding in and you'll get this result because you have no idea what you're going to discover. It's mm. like it's more you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> it's just suddenly you'll find some stuff out that you never even thought of before and then it's like, oh, aren't you glad we put the funding in that thing? Absolutely. What are you inventing next? <laughs> it's just like... I have no idea. Maybe yeah. we won't invent anything. Mm, that's not a budget-worthy answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's so much crap that, like, the patterns behind everything um, that we discover and the cause and effects and all the things that, like, that we've never thought of that actually affect that, that affect that, affect that, that make things the way that they are. Uh, right, I've got I've got two more like my last two like little moon facts. Okay, yeah, we're, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're really... almost at an hour, so yeah, make the uh, juicy last. These, two. Are, these are hilarious. These ones I like it. Like, it takes twenty seven 
1.3 days for the moon to orbit the Earth, mm-hmm. and it just ho- ha- so happens to be 27.3 percentage of the size of the Earth. Wow. That's crazy stuff. And what's the other one? And if you and if you reverse it, the Earth is three hundred. It yeah, it takes the Earth three hundred and sixty-five days. Point da 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 to orbit the Sun, and it is the same percentage larger than the Moon. What is the Earth? And- yeah, the Earth is three hundred and sixty-six percent larger. Than the moon, right? And okay, it's the yep. same time as it takes for the moon yep. to go around uh, the Earth to go around the sun. You know, it's funny. Like, I wonder if there's like some kind of mathematical principle that's sort of making things sort of naturally fall into these shapes or something. Yeah. Or if your numbers are just really well rounded, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, and I'm really good at like finding like random facts and stuff like that. This was a really good one. You should hear all the stuff that like. I didn't say, like, from all the conspiracies, it's like, <laughs> the, the moon has to be an alien base. I'd love to have an episode about What more information do you need? <laughs> I'd love to have a conspiracy theory episode driven by you, Shadow. Oh, that right. would be great. Oh, Done. Be so good. <laughs> all right. We're gonna, we're gonna because do some it. of the stuff out there is insane. Oh. I love it. All right. Yeah, Done. But you can send them all to me first so I can fact check them. I'll send you three and then you rank the three of them and yep. then we'll see what I come up with and then we'll go from there and we'll have Shannon's conspiracy episodes because that's the way to get me like the most animated. Absolutely. But I think, I think the... Because what I love the most about all that sort of stuff is the... I can deduct, reverse deduct myself back to the logic and I don't actually go insane on them. I, I nearly did. I nearly did. <laughs> oh, Sean, I think you're always a little bit insane. Oh, always a little bit. But, <laughs> but if, I, if I lose control... You could go that, down that rabbit hole like, real hard, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to wind up the episode there because we'll have another one um, thinking up and uh, I will say goodbye then. My name's been Daniel. I'm Carla. And I'm meditating Shannon. Meditating oh. space with Shannon. <laughs> oh. See you all. <laughs> <laughs>